Hey, Jared Dubin here. This is the audio from Tuesday's chat on the Halftime app with Sean Hyken from Bleacher Report. Sean's up in Portland, so we talked about the moves that the Blazers have made before the trade deadline and anything else that might happen for Portland between now and then. We also got into the two other trades that have happened so far, Karis LeVert to Cleveland and DeMontis Sabonis for Tyrese Halliburton with the Kings and Pacers. And we got into everything else we've been hearing about what might go down around the league James Harden, the Knicks, the Jazz, as many other teams as we could get to in our running time. Enjoy. Sean, thanks for doing this. I guess we should start with the Blazers because they've made two deals so far and you're up there in Portland. Um, Norm Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers for um, Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson. I feel like I'm forgetting. Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow and a second round pick. And then CJ McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell to the Pelicans for Josh Hart, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Tomas Sadoransky, uh, a first-round pick that conveys if it's between 5 and 14 this year. And if not, it rolls over to, I believe, the following year. Uh, oh, and Didi Luzada also came over in that trade. And then uh, a future second-round, or two future second-round picks as well. Pretty significant moves for Portland. I feel like every time we had talked, we were like, oh, well, they could trade CJ, but they're not going to do it because Neil Olshay would never do it. And uh, well, you know. Neil Olshay is not the one deciding these. Exactly. So that that would be kind of the key difference here. Uh, it's been pretty obvious that this was coming really since a couple of weeks ago when Dame made the decision, or when Dame and the team together made the decision for him to have the surgery to, re- to deal with that ab injury that's been bothering him for a couple of years. And if you'll recall, when he had the surgery, which was like early to mid-January, he the, the, the official release said he would be reevaluated in five to six weeks, which would uh, theoretically mean that he could come back and you know play at some point this season. And I actually saw him yesterday at the uh, practice facility getting shots up but Dame talked to reporters after he had the surgery and was asked directly whether if it was obvious that the Blazers were playing for a, a draft pick and not really trying to make the playoffs this season, whether he would still come back. And he said something to the effect of, if we're playing for a draft pick, it probably doesn't make sense for me to come back, which <laughs> was basically giving Joe Cronin, the interim GM, permission to tank this year and basically do the do what the Warriors did a couple years ago when Steph Curry broke his hand and just said okay Dame you just go you know go get healthy don't worry about coming back this year we're gonna get a good draft pick this coming uh draft and then try to be good next year and it seems like that's what the plan is and I think the I think Portland might not be done uh even before the deadline either Jake Fisher my colleague at BR just reported a little bit ago that they're talking about a, a Jeremy Grant deal with uh, Detroit, whether that 
actually happens or not, I don't know. And then also Sam Amick at The Athletic pointed out that this summer, if Philly is trying to just sign James Harden outright, they're going to need to trade Ben Simmons somewhere to clear enough space to do that. And that Portland would have a path to having enough space to be able to do that. And they've been kind of linked to Simmons in the past. So there's a lot of stuff still up in the air as far as what Portland's long-term plan is. And frankly, who even is going to be the one making these decisions because they haven't removed interim tag off of Joe Cronin. He is still, as of right now, his official title is interim general manager. Now, do I think he has a chance at keeping the job permanently? Yes, but I don't think that's a certainty at all. He is, he even acknowledged last week in an interview with NBA.com with Mark Medina that they still have a search going on. That, so it's within the realm of possibility that they're going to bring someone else in to be the long-term general manager. So there's just a lot of stuff up in the air, but I think the short-term, what this means is that the Blazers are pretty clearly chasing Detroit and Houston and Oklahoma City and Orlando in the standings and uh, don't expect to see Dane back the rest of the year. I would say that's the takeaway as of like where things stand right now. Yeah, I would say uh, if Dane thinks that him coming back, if they're playing for draft picks, is not a good idea. Like I got some news for Dane. They're playing for draft picks. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. And I will say, and I, I obviously just kind of uh, the way that Twitter works and the way that this, this stuff always works, but both, you know, the other day when they did the Covington uh, Powell deal, and then this morning when the CJ news broke, I saw all the stuff about uh, people saying, "Oh, well, look at Dame. Isn't Dame going to look at this and decide he wants to leave?" I, what I mean, what I can tell you firsthand is that I have seen Dame sitting with Joe Cronin for like a half hour or forty five minutes at a time at probably like a half dozen different times at games and at practices over the course of the last basically since Neil Olshay got fired and he became the interim GM. It's that, and so I, I have like probably three hours total worth of me personally witnessing, watching the two of them sitting together and talking. And that's just what I personally witnessed. So the idea that Dame was not, you know, aware of what was going on and on board with what was going on and on the same page with, with the front office about what was going on uh, this entire time, I think is sort of misguided like you know dame, dame knows what's going on dame i think everybody involved kind of knows that the dame cj you know group whatever you want to call it had kind of reached whatever ceiling that they had and it was time to do something else and i think this is kind of if there's ever a time to tear it down and you know give you know go make try to make one more run with dame while he's still you know in the tail end of his prime let him you know take this year off to get healthy with the ab thing and just kind of really remake the roster, that this was the time to do it. Yeah, and I think that plays into um, the question that is in the chat from TTP Embiid, which is, why are they doing all these trades with an interim GM? And the answer is because this is the time that they need to make moves. Like, Dame is out, most likely, for the rest of the year. They've got these guys that still have some value now. I don't think they did particularly well in the Powell-Covington trade but maybe they think more highly of Keon Johnson than I do but now is and the time but, to strike. But if, they, if they use Bledsoe as the salary filler to get Jeremy Grant then that trade looks a little bit different. Yes and you know getting Jeremy Grant like I think he's got the what the one more year after yeah. this year yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they could extend it or he's I'm sure he's going to want an extension um, this summer but maybe he wants to get into free agency and get a bigger deal we know that he you know is very open about wanting to be a top option on his team with 
no more CJ there, you know, it's Dame and it's probably Anthony Simons and who knows what's going to happen with uh, with Yusuf Nurkic between now and the deadline. There's been some stuff going around about Nurk that they're actually going to try to keep him, not just the rest of this year, but long term. What have you heard about that? That's probably where I would mean right now, too, as far as what's going to obviously this stuff, you know, there's, you still have like about 40, a little less than 48 hours to go before the deadline. So obviously this stuff could change rapidly, but I haven't really heard a lot about NERC as far as, you know, getting moved or, uh, and if, and if anything, I, and I, I mean, it, it is a little bit surprising because I mean, the, the thing about NERC is also, you know, he's a, he's a clutch guy. And so he's going to want to get paid. And I'm not sure how many teams out there are, because if you trade for him at the deadline, you basically probably have to re-sign him, right? And so, yeah, I mean, like you're kind of over a barrel if you do that. Yeah, like, so you're committing to resigning him. And so, I don't know how many people or how many teams are going to be out there that want to trade for him and and then pay him whatever whatever him and Rich Paul want to get paid for how I mean obviously he'd be very effective sometimes uh, but he you know he's inconsistent he's injured a lot he is you know very foul prone he's not somebody that I would you know feel the greatest about giving a huge long-term deal to and it seems like whichever whether it be Portland if they keep him or whatever team trades for him before Thursday would have to you know end up doing that and so I don't know how how likely it is that something happens with yeah, I mean, the team that's been connected to him the most, I don't really think makes a lot of sense. Like, I don't think he makes that much sense in Charlotte. Yeah, they need a center, but they play super fast and they switch and they're like running all over the place. That's not really the style of play that you would picture for a Nurk. I don't really yeah. understand that, but, you know, he's clutch. You know who else is clutch? Ben Simmons. Um, so, well, you know who's you know, clutch is Chauncey Billups also. Yeah, so you can connect you know, whatever dots you want to there. By the way, if anybody's got any questions uh, from here for Sean, feel free to uh, either post them in the chat or send in a speaker request. We're going to touch a little bit on the uh, the other couple of deals that have happened so far, and we'll try to take some questions along the way too. But we're starting with the Blazers because Sean's up there uh, in Portland and because, well, they've made, you know, two pretty significant moves so far. Um, do you think they they – are interested in keeping Josh Hart from uh, from this Pelicans deal? Or, I mean, I, I figure they could spin him off and get another first-round pick if they want. But I think he's good, man. Like, if they get Jeremy Grant and they have um, Hart on the wing too and, you know, maybe Nurk, who knows, like, and then they try to go get Simmons, like, it's not a bad retool. That is my understanding is that they is that they actually like Josh Hart and that's a guy that they want to – I mean – if they were doing a full, like, you know, Oklahoma City-style rebuild where they're just trying to completely tear it down and tank for several years and go with draft picks, then, yeah, I think you look at Josh Hart as somebody that you spin off to a good team and get another pick. But the whole thing that, that Joe Cronin is trying to, the needle that he's trying to thread here is they want to be bad the rest of the 30-whatever games are left this season. They want to be bad enough to get a good draft pick. But they want to be good next year when Dame is back healthy. And Josh right. Hart is the kind of player that, they think or that I think a lot of people think can be help you know helpful on a team that's trying to be good and so the idea would be that he's a guy that and he you know he just signed a pretty reasonable contract so it's not even like a guy that you're gonna have to pay a ton of money to this summer or something like that he's on like a I don't remember how his exact deal in front of me but it's like I think he's got one more year and 
I can't remember if it's a player option or a team option. I'm on pretty sure it's a team year. option or like a partial guarantee. It's some pretty like pretty good contract. Yeah, after this year, so. it's not. It's unguaranteed next year. Um, and then there is uh, a player option for twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, so that that it's a weird structure. It's a weird deal, but that's the kind of deal. If they're trying to be good next year, then that's a guy that you want to keep around. And so I would expect that he's not. That's not to say he's untouchable, obviously, but. I would expect he is not rerouted. Some. Yeah, I mean, I would just kind of keep him around. I, th- I think he makes sense if uh, if they're going to try to be good next year, and I think he makes sense if they want to do some deals this summer. Like, he's just a good player who could be good on a lot of good teams. Um, yeah. We got some questions in the chat here. Uh, TTP Embiid asked if the Sixers have been involved with any actual trade talks for a star. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you could qualify this Harden thing as talks. Um, the Nets rebuffed their advances, whatever it was, like a month ago, which was what Woj and uh, Ramona reported the other day. Um, well, have you seen uh, this this uh, this stuff that Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst have been saying now? No, I know that there was some stuff about Harden going around this morning, Where, but that was more like people asking, like, are you hearing this Harden thing? And I was like, what Harden thing? I've had three people ask me if I've heard it. Basically, what Wendy has been saying is that even though Daryl Morey and Sean Marks have not gotten on the phone together to discuss trade frameworks, that on both sides, there have been back channels and intermediaries trying to negotiate. And, you know, it's not like absolute just because the two general managers have not discuss specific frameworks for trade that doesn't mean that absolutely nothing is happening and there's absolutely no chance that anything will happen is basically the latest uh reporting around it that we've heard from those folks who are pretty reliable yeah um you know things can change in 48 hours obviously um we got to get to m napierski's question what have you heard about the jazz and i mean what everybody was hearing about the jazz was they're going to try to move Joe Ingles' contract and a first-round pick for an upgrade on the wing, and Joe Ingles tearing his ACL kind of torpedoed that, and now it's been kind of much quieter over the last few days about them. Have you heard anything else about Utah other than you know what had been going around for the previous few weeks? Yeah, I'm not sure what they could really do. I mean, I can tell you from Portland's end, the Jazz were a team that at one point had some interest in Robert Covington as a guy that they would go after with that you know, that Joe Ingles contract, like, upgrade. Maybe that can still happen with the Clippers, right? Like, it, it seemed like they, they did that deal more for Norm Powell. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they just spun him off and said, we'll take Ingles on your first-round pick. Sure, but if you're the Clippers, you know, you'd rather have you're, – you're clearly – whether or not Paul George and Kawhi Leonard actually play again this season, they're clearly – like, they made that deal clearly, like, trying to make a run in the playoffs this year. They're not – I don't know how interested they are. And I guess you could say that they have no first round picks basically because they traded all of them in the, uh, the Paul George trade a couple of years ago. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're the Clippers and you're trying to be good right now and Covington's just going to come off the books anyway, you might as well just, because that's a guy that is full in, in the playoffs, especially if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard don't come back, you're going to need yeah, I agree. But they also do have like a glut of those, you know, the guys that you need to play the small ball units that they want to use in the playoffs. But there's also not enough minutes to go around for like all of Powell, Covington, Morris, Batum, Mann, Kennard, uh, Coffey, Kawhi, and PG. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those guys on their way out the door 
in the next couple of days. There's been some uh, some rumors about Luke Kennard over the last few days for teams looking for shooting. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily a Utah guy. They seem to need more of the the big wing or power forward type. Maybe they could be a, a team that's interested in Marcus Morris, but Morris is important to the Clippers with PG and Kawhi out, you know? So I don't know about well, that. Do we, think, do we think that those two are going to play at all this year? Because I don't. I So the, I wrote the, uh, the season preview for the 538 projections, and they had Kawhi coming back um, – I think initially in on February 1st, and I fought like vehemently against that um, uh-huh. because the, there was very a very small sample of partially torn ACLs and the guys that had come back, come back a little bit quicker. And I said, like, this is a guy that tore his ACL essentially in May and has been notoriously slow coming back from injuries. I think we should just have him out for the year and not include him in the projections at all. So they they wound up just pushing it back a month. I think it assumed, the projections eventually assumed that he was going to come back on either March first or April first, and they still wound up. I don't up think being, either of those things are going to happen. I, I don't think either of those things are going to happen. Paul George, I think I'm I'm less sure about. I think there's more of a chance that he could come back, but I don't see it with Kawhi. But then there's also like they posted a video of him working out. Whether I can't remember if it was the other day or a couple weeks ago, but. Who knows? Um, a couple of questions about Jeremy Granton here. We've been talking about that. Like the the Blazers are interested. The I know the Jazz were interested. I don't know if like they thought they were going to get it with an Ingles and whatever else. Um, there was some stuff about Phoenix earlier in the, like much earlier in the season being interested I kind in of him. Feel like Phoenix clearly. I, I don't know if, if I'm Phoenix. I would kind of. I feel the same about Phoenix that I do about Memphis, who has kind of come up in some of these things. If I was both of those two teams, I would just kind of keep what I have going and not mess with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that that Phoenix should try to get something for Jalen Smith if he's not going to play and they obviously can't bring him back. Like, That's not getting use him, Grant, though. I mean, well, you use him, Sarich, and a first-round pick to get whatever you can get in that mid-salary range. I, right. I don't think you could maybe get Jeremy Grant. There were obviously the Bulls rumors earlier in the season, but it doesn't seem like they want to include Patrick Williams. And then obviously they've got a million injuries now. I heard the Nets looked into Jeremy Grant earlier in the year too. I don't know what that is, but I'm not sure now they even really like, have to. Well, it's, they're looking for shooting now because it doesn't seem like Joe Harris is going to be back anytime soon. Um, we got questions in here about the Hawks and they've been connected to a bunch of guys, Simmons, McCollum, Grant. I, I didn't understand the McCollum thing. With them, I didn't either. I, there's a I bunch of teams that would be interested in John Collins, but I don't see yeah. why they would trade him. Like, I don't get all the smoke around a John Collins trade. Like, they, uh, I guess that it's not really been a secret. He doesn't love playing with Trey Young, but from their perspective, like, he's just really good. They don't have another four, like, four slash five who's as good as him. Um, I don't think it makes that much sense yet to play like a Kongwu and Capella together. Maybe you could go more minutes for, for Hunter at the four or Gallo in the starting lineup, but then, you know, you're kind of small and your rebounding gets worse. You're already a bad defensive team. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know with the Hawks, like there's a bunch of teams are, are interested in John Collins. Like the, the smoke with Dallas and John Collins has been going around for a really, really long time at this point. Um, but yeah, I don't know that I necessarily see anything specific. 
I asked around a little bit about the Hawks yesterday when I when the rumor was out there that they were connected with CJ. Just you know, because you know that's in my purview because it was a CJ thing. So I asked around about that, and the sense that I is that the Cam Reddish trade. It's kind of funny that it's the exact same thing has happened like two years in a row. Whether it be last year they make the coaching change. And then immediately their season turns around. I feel like since they made the Cam Reddish, it's sort of been addition by subtraction just in terms mm-hmm. of like it unclogs the rotation. And I know they've lost a couple of games recently, but they've been better lately. Like they're, I think they're seven and three in their last 10 games. They've been, they've been better lately. And I think they feel like making that trade helped them sort of figure some things out and just clear, clarify what different guys' roles are and kind of who they value going forward. So I think there's a little bit less urgency from them to do something now. And so I, I, I think if I had to, like, they're, they're, they're in a decent spot as far as, like, they'll at least, you know, they'll be in the play-in range. I think they feel like, I think they feel like the core group of guys that they have, the, the you know, they, can, they, they might change some pieces around it, but, like, the Trey Collins, Herder, DeAndre Hunter – like, I think they feel pretty good about that group. And then it's just, you know, do they do something with Gallinari? Do they do something with Bogey at some point? I don't know. That, that, but that's kind of more Okongu, I would put in the, in the core group that they are high on also. And, and Capella, I guess. But, like, I feel like, they, I feel like they are pretty good with what they've got as far as, like, their core group now. And I think the reddish trade kind of clarified a lot of that. Yeah, I think a couple things, too. So there are three losses in recent weeks are like two to the Raptors, one of them at home, and then a, the next one to the Mavericks on the road. It's not like they're losing to bad teams. Right. And, you know, right. They beat the Heat in there. They beat the Bucks in there. They beat the Suns in there. They've been playing really well um, since, like you said, since the Reddish trade. And then last year, like, everything gets attributed to the coaching change, and I think it did help a lot, You know, particularly with getting Trey to stop with some of the nonsense shots that he was taking uh, right, you know, earlier in his career and earlier in the year, but also like it helped immensely that they got healthy as soon as Nate took over as well. Like Bogey came back, Hunter came back. Like it, it helped a lot that they, you know, actually had their real rotation going on there. A um, couple more questions. One is um, any news on Nick's consolidation? Like they're trying. Yeah, you're probably <laughs> like, more plugged in on that than I am. Yeah, I mean, like, they're they're very open to trading Kemba, Fournier, Burks, basically any of the guys that they've signed this summer, um, which, you know, good luck. Like, there's a reason they're already trying to trade those guys. Like, maybe somebody will be interested. I don't know that they're necessarily going to get anything great with one of those guys or a package of those guys. But I think that the front office wants Tibbs to play Cam Reddish, but it's pretty clear that he won't do it unless he doesn't have – the 10 guys that are in front of him now. So the only way you can force him to play the guy you want him to play is by taking away some of those guys that are in front of him. You know, like it's, it's like the, the money ball thing where, you know, he wants Pena to start at first base or sorry, uh, Hatterberg to start at first base. The only way to do that is to trade Pena. So he traded Pena. That's kind of what the, uh, the Knicks front office is going through right now. Like they need to clear out some of the guys in front of him, whether it's Burks, Fournier, Kemba, both of those, uh, all any combination of all three of those guys, um, I think that they're trying to do that. Who knows whether they'll be able to in the next couple of days. But I think that that is much more on their radar than the CJ thing that was reported yesterday, especially because the what had come out was that the Blazers wanted expiring salaries coming back. And uh, 
that's that's mostly what they got because Hart um, is non guaranteed for next year. Um, any other teams eyeing Harden from TTPMB? Like not in a trade, I don't think. Yeah, like, I don't know how many teams are really that. The the Harden thing is so weird. To me. Like I, I felt ever since these rumors kind of came up, I kind of just feel like it's a bad idea from both sides. Is that crazy? Because if I'm, I don't think it's crazy. Do you want um, but. I, the idea of giving Harden the the money that he's going to have to get this like I I know he's still obviously he's still you know one of the best players in the league but like that's not something I'd feel like amazing about especially also given Joel Embiid's injury history and then from the standpoint of Brooklyn like do you I mean yeah all the reports are that Ben Simmons looks pretty good in terms of these workouts but like the guy hasn't played in nine months and you know we're going through this whole thing right now where he you know there's going to be all these questions about like how committed is the team and like you have that plus having to deal with whatever's going on with Kyrie like I just this this is like I feel like from both sides it seems like it's not the not the move but well, sure Simmons like got vaccinated, so he could play if he was traded. Well, that's, to this Brooklyn. is true. That's that's one that's one thing that that came out recently in that Ramona Shelburne piece is that he recently and I always because I had kind of heard I, and you know people had kind of reported around the fact that he wasn't vaccinated before. I well, it was super obvious when there was the reporting about uh, when he came in and he had to get a COVID test to come into the arena. It was like, well, then he's not vaccinated. Like, well, that's that's. That that's what I mean by reported around it. Nobody kind of came out and said it, but it was obvious when people reported it that they reported it that way because they, you know, it had to be out there. But I always at the time I kind of felt like he was not to get vaccinated because uh, he just wanted to make it harder on the Sixers, not because he actually has you know a belief system about you know it being a government conspiracy or whatever the other Nets guy who's not vaccinated believes about it. Yeah, uh, who knows what Kyrie believes? He won't even tell you, really. Um, I don't know, but well, yeah, I, mean, I, I understand it from apparently. I understand it from Harden's perspective. By the way, like, oh yeah, he forced the trade to Brooklyn, thinking that he was going to be like one guy in a big three, and like I, I would say he's played significantly more games with neither of uh, Kyrie and KD than he has with both of them. They've only played like sixteen or seventeen games together and he's you know he's played a bunch of games with just KD or just Kyrie or one of those uh or some combination and like they've all played games without uh Suns we're, we'll get to your question uh in a second here if you send the request back in um but yeah no like from his perspective I understand not thinking that uh that Brooklyn is what he signed up for I don't know that necessarily uh Philly would be what he thinks he's signing up for either he really did not like spotting up around Dwight Howard post-ups uh, back in Houston, obviously Embiid is a significantly better post player than Dwight was, so it's a little bit different. But Harden also, like, he has been super reluctant to take catch and shoot threes for a while now, and I don't know if that's just like not being in practice doing it, but it's like noticeable when you watch the net, or it was at least when KD was playing earlier in the year. Now Harden just has the ball in his hands all the time, so he's not even really in position to take catch and shoot threes, but. He he just like would not take them at all, uh, and that could be an issue if he goes and plays with Embiid. Um, a couple people in here talking about Rashawn Holmes. Um, Stumpbuster Nine says that the Grizz should flip Stephen Adams for an upgrade, and that dude JQ says the Hornets should go for him. 
with a PJ Washington centered deal. I don't think the Grizzlies are going to flip Steven. Ad- I think they really like what Steven Adams brings for them, uh, particularly defensively and what he does screen wise. Him and John Morant as a pick and roll combination works really well. Steven Adams is an underrated passer. I, I like Rashawn Holmes, but I don't know necessarily that the, that's something that the Grizzlies would be. I mean, I haven't heard specifically that they're not interested, but I, I would think that they're going to try to keep this mix together unless they could get something like a big wing scorer that would really be a co-star for Ja. I don't see necessarily anything else happening. Holmes has been a rumored target for Charlotte for a while. Um, I I like PJ Washington though. I wouldn't be so quick to just throw him in a deal. Um, What do you think about that? If I were Memphis, I would just completely not do anything and just keep this group that they have going. I don't think there's really any, they're they're the, they're the deepest team in the league. Like they don't have anybody in there. You know, you and I have talked about it on this show before. They're the team that, their entire rotation, they have got, you know, guys go out. They just have so many guys who can play. I mean, they're going to have, maybe have to do a consolidation trade at some point, but I don't think that some point is right now. So I, if I were them, I would just kind of try to keep it going. Yeah, the worst player in their rotation right now is Zaire Williams. And he's like a 19 year old rookie who they're starting because they want to get him up to speed. And they basically just need him to play defense and take catch and shoot threes until yeah. Dylan Brooks gets back. Like, and that's like the only player in their rotation who could be considered a negative, probably. Yeah. And like, I think he's going to be good. I, I think he's an interesting player. He's really long. He can shoot it a little bit. He doesn't have to do that much with the ball in his hands yet, but maybe he can, you know, come along and do that. Like, it's not a comparison in any way whatsoever, except for this very specific thing of the way that the Spurs brought Kawhi along, where he was, you know, a great defender and basically just stood in the corner and shot threes, and then was, at, you know, gradually brought along from there. I am not, 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 not comparing Zaire Williams to Kawhi, but they are doing sort of the same thing where they have a good team, and they're putting him, stashing him in the corner, saying, shoot the ball when it comes to you, cut, get out on the break, you know, fill the lane, play defense, and, you know, when we need you to do more than that, you'll do more than that, but for now, that's really all it is. That's kind of where I'm at with the Grizzlies. Yeah. Um, another question about the Knicks looking to make any trades. Like we just talked about this a second ago. They're trying to get off these, these veterans, like who knows if or how they will be able to do that. I don't know. Like they've been loath to put draft picks in any trades since Leon Rose took over. I don't necessarily see them doing that to get off of any of this money, but if they can, you know, trade Burks or Fournier or Kemba for somebody whose contract is shorter, even if it's a little more money, this year, I think that they would do that, but I haven't heard anything concrete of specific players that um, they're looking to do that for. Um, if anybody else has more questions, feel free to pop them in the chat or send in a speaker request. But for now, we're going to talk about the other deal <laughs> that happened today. Or yeah, how about that? Like- yeah, so uh, the Kings. The Kings stay the Kings, man. Um Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson to the Pacers for Domas Sabonis, Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and a 2027 second-round pick. I feel like how good Sabonis is has gotten undersold in the last few hours just because everybody is so flabbergasted by the Kings trading a player that like is universally loved and thought of 
<laughs> okay, just, um, Sam Amick just reported that the second rounder going to Sacramento is a fake second rounder. It's protected thirty-one to fifty-five. Hell yeah, dude. Um, Hell yeah. So, so the king, the Kings are in. I have so I have this called the which applies to a few teams, like basically the Lakers, the Warriors, and Miami. And it used to be San Antonio, but they're not relevant anymore. But when certain guys go to those teams, like you're seeing it happen with Malik Monk now, and you know you saw. Whoa, 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 whoa! How? dare you okay. you know my but, feelings on malik monk i know your feelings on malik monk but like malik monk goes to the lakers has like three or four good games and suddenly we're talking about is malik monk the greatest minimum signing of all time when if he had gone to like i don't know indiana or something and, and done the exact same thing nobody would be talking about him or like how could the I would. league have I would. let and the warriors <laughs> how could the league have let the warriors get Nemanja Bialica at the minimum like that is just a like there are certain teams where like when they get like a guy who's like he's fine but like when they get certain guys when it, when it's like the lakers and the warriors and like Miami when they get those guys suddenly people talk about them like they're going to be like future all-stars just because they went to those teams the kings i just we just found out today are like the opposite where an actual multiple time all-star like Demontis Sabonis who's a really good player because he got traded to Sacramento and they probably gave up too much to get him, now suddenly it's, oh, wow, the Kings are stupid for trading for this two-time All-Star. Teams are pissed <laughs> that, that Tyrese Halliburton was apparently available. Woj went on TV and was talking about that earlier. The teams were like, we would have gotten in on the bidding. We would have been super aggressive. Sacramento, but the, the thing is, Sacramento, like, there's been smoke about Sacramento and Sabonis for months now. Apparently they loved him a lot, love him. A lot, you know, the rumors before had been about Fox for Sabonis, which I didn't really understand for either team. I still don't necessarily understand what Sacramento is doing here. Like they're twenty and thirty-five, and like, are they even better than fifty-fifty to make the plan with this deal? Like, I think they're probably better today, just because Sabonis is so good already. But you know, Halberton is like a lead ball handler type who has not even gotten lead ball handler usage yet and is already averaging like 15 and 7 per game and shooting better than 40% from three. And like he's a little too small to defend big wings, but he could defend most perimeter players. You know, he's a little bit better as a team defender than he is individually because he's just kind of slight. But like it's just a really good player on a rookie deal. And they finally got one of those guys that looked like, you know, a real building block. Like they have Fox obviously as well but to trade that player on his rookie deal to like to try to make the play in i guess man it's just it's such a wild decision fox is already on the second contract too he's already on the on the rookie max i mean i guess davion mitchell is the other guy you can look at and say that's a hit that they had in the draft but it's like them and the pelicans are both just kind of dead in different in different ways i mean i think the Pelicans, you know there's a little bit more rationale for what they did than what the uh Kings did it. Both of those teams, it feels like they're just kind of panicking. They're just like, we have to make the play in to salvage whatever, you know, the last, I mean, with, with the Kings, I think it's a little bit more desperate because they haven't made the playoffs in 16 years, but it feels like those two teams are just like, we have to get good enough to make the play in. So we'll overpay for whatever we have to do to get better right now so that we all don't lose our jobs. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if the Pelicans knew that the Kings were trading for Sabonis, that might've motivated them more to make the CJ move because like Griff desperately wants to make the play in tournament. So if the team right behind you is getting an upgrade, then I guess, you know, trying to go get an upgrade as well 
make, makes a degree of sense. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't love it for really either team. Um, but you know, who knows? Um, Stump Buster wants to know if the Beal injury makes it more likely that Kuzma, KCP, and or Harrell gets moved. Uh, I would say that they're trying to move at least one of Harold, Thomas Bryant, or Daniel Gafford by Thursday because they have this these three centers. They can't play all of them because you really can't play any of them together. So I would think they would try to move one of those guys in the next few days. I, I think based on the way Kuzma has played this year, they could probably get some pretty decent for him. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Uh, every, every team needs shooting. Maybe the Nets would like KCP. They've been interested in shooting. Um, I don't know that they would Lakers trade Joe Harris for him, but <laughs> yeah. Actually, he can't be traded to the Lakers. Right, I know. Um, all right, we got a speaker request from Baller24 here. Uh, Baller, what's up, man? No? Uh, Baller, you're on mute or something, but uh, I suppose we can keep talking about... Um, I think there could be some interesting Kuzma teams. Uh, BMAR1784 says in the chat he would like any of those guys in the Bulls. Like, I think Kuzma would be a pretty decent four for them. But then you get into, will they trade Patrick Williams? And I think the answer is you know, pretty much no. I so, don't think they uh, want to trade Patrick Williams. Especially because uh, now it seems like there's – you know, when he had the wrist surgery, it seemed like he was going to be out for the season. But now we're starting to hear that maybe he won't be out. For so I – I think, you know, him being the first draft pick that this new front office made, and they took him number four overall, I think they want to see him healthy for an extended period of time before they decide to trade him, like, to go all in right now. Yeah, and I think that makes sense, honestly. Like, they haven't really seen what he's been able to do in an extended run just yet because, like, they didn't have their team yet last year. And then, what was it, like, 10 games? Maybe not even into the season when he got hurt that it was against the Knicks where he, he got like knocked out of the air by, I can't even remember who it was. Was it Al Burks, RJ Barrett, um, Nerlens Noel? I don't know, but it wasn't that far into the year. And uh, I thought he played well last year. I don't know, uh, fifth game of the season. I, I don't know that I necessarily saw the future star that the Bulls see, but, you know, his his percentage, uh, it was Mitchell Robinson points out. Uh, his percentages were good. He shot 48% from the field, 39% from three, 73% on free throws last year. Very small sample size for all of those. And he plays, obviously, good defense. He's kind of on the smaller side to be a four. But, you know, DeMar is big. And they were sort of splitting the forward spots between the two of those guys. So, you know, I think it makes sense to hang on to him. If they're really as high on him as, you know, the the rumblings that everybody talks about how high on him they are, like – why wouldn't you want to hang on to that guy? Yeah, exactly. I think I think that the other the other thing is they're going to need to have some sort of you know insurance like what you know what they're getting right now like you know Demar Derozan is having an incredible year but he's thirty two. Do you, is do can we bank on him being this good next year or the year after? Not necessarily. Can we bank on everybody you know everything fitting together as well as it is right now? Uh, in two years, I feel like right now, like keeping Patrick Williams is kind of your insurance policy of like, let's say that this shelf life of this group that you went all in to get is only a couple of years. And then the, if that ends up falling apart in a couple of years after that run is over, you have one young guy that you are, are high on to, you know, rebuild, you know, reload and retool the next thing around. I think that's kind of the rationale there. If that makes sense. 
Well, we also can't necessarily bank on Zach Levine being there beyond this year. He hasn't re-signed yet because the extension that they could offer is not, you know, as big as what he could get if he goes into full-on free agency. But well, I, I, don't think he, I don't think he's going anywhere either. But, you know, we, like you said, we can't bank on it. You know, we couldn't have banked on DeMar right. being this good this year in the first place. But, you know, it makes sense to have, you know, more young guys with upside. Like, when you're paying a bunch of mid-career veterans big money – you really need guys on their rookie deal who overperform their contracts and are going to get better over the course of their deal because you're not going to have a lot of room to add veteran players in the offseason. And they've traded away a bunch of first-round picks to get DeMar and to get Vucevic. So that these guys like like Kobe White, Io DeSumo, um, Patrick Williams, they need these guys to stick around and to be values on their rookie deals. So you know, from that perspective... I think it makes sense. Um, we, we didn't talk about the Karis LeBert deal yet. What did you think about that for Cleveland? They gave up um, Ricky Rubio's expiring contract, their own lottery-protected first-round pick this year, Houston's second-round pick this year, so basically two firsts. Um, and they got back a late second from Miami, and they traded Utah's 2027 second-round pick also. What did you think about that for the Cavs? I didn't hate it. I think that it... You know, clearly they needed another uh, guard with Colin Sexton probably not, you know, be, you know, being out for the season. I had kind of been thinking that they would be, you know, if, if they had that Rubio money to play with, they I had kind of been thinking that they would be a team that would, you know, do the Goran Dragic thing. But Same. I think, I think we talked top, about that when, you when they made the Rondo deal. Yeah, you and I might have talked about that as, like, I liked them. I liked that as, like, a Rubio replacement for them. But... I mean, obviously, they're not similar players, but Karis LeVert is younger. I think he has more upside, and he's also under contract for not that. Like, I think he has one more year after this one at, at a pretty decent number. Yes. So I think they they feel like they can, you know, cash in what they have now to get some short term help. And if you know, if it doesn't work out, they can get off of it pretty. Like, yes. it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't interfere with. Because, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Sexton this summer because either they're going to have to pay him or they're going to have to sign and trade him somewhere or something. But it doesn't – making this move, it makes them better now, and it doesn't interfere with their ability to build around Jared Allen, Darius Garland, and Evan Mobley going forward. Those are clearly the three guys that, that everything should be based around. So I don't I don't think this, like, it impedes that at all. Yeah, he um, – or sorry, they – desperately needed somebody else on the team other than Darius Garland who can dribble. Um, I think that that, that, that was, uh, was pretty obvious. And Levert can certainly do that. He can play on and off the ball. He has been better catch and shoot this year than shooting off the dribble, particularly from three. I think he was like 38% on, uh, on catch and shoot threes. Um, but he's only 32% overall. Like you would expect the ball to be in Garland's hands more often, but Levert can sort of, you know, run the point for the second unit. He's done that for Indiana as well. He's only 27. So I think that makes more sense for them than Eric Gordon, who's 33 and probably would not necessarily stick around beyond this year. He's 17 and a half million this season, 18.8 million next season. So it gives you some protection. If somebody else wants to sign Colin Sexton to an offer sheet that you just don't, want to match um so i i like it from all of those perspectives i don't know about giving up the first and the houston second it might be like i I really like karis levert but giving up the first and the houston second which is a basically a first also like it's going to be in the top 34 35 picks 
Um, it might be a little bit much, but they needed somebody else on the perimeter so desperately. Like they're starting Markinen at the three and Okoro at the two. Like Dean Wade has started at the two a couple of times. Jenny Osman start, started at essentially point guard one game. Like they they needed something at this position so badly. And um, yeah, I mean, if the the price was was this, I guess. You know, you got to do it. I don't know that they had anybody necessarily that, that Sacramento would have wanted. I guess Terry's Halliburton was available, but maybe it was only for Sabonis. Yeah, you'd have to do much to do that. I know. I know when that happened. Uh, when that when that deal happened, a lot of people in Portland were talking about how could the you know how could they have you know gotten more for Karis Levert than Portland got for Norm Powell? Norm Powell is a better player than Karis Levert. Okay, but Norm Powell's also under contract for like four more years after this one. It was. I, I think I think they kind of, the the deal I think the deal that Levert is on right now is I think a little bit more favorable to what Cleveland is trying to do where it helps them now but then if for whatever reason it doesn't fit or Levert gets injured or what or something where they don't want to keep him long term they can get out of it pretty easily. It's also um, they're getting under the tax line Portland with that deal so that was the goal not necessarily getting you know the best assets for the future i would say um scott l asked about the Jakob Pertle to the bulls for more than a first uh, he was listening to jake and he mentioned that the bulls and raptors are asking about Jakob Pertle, but the spurs are asking more for more than a first what do you think is the right value and what do you put the bulls in the race as a contender i think it would be fascinating if he went back to toronto um, just because he was in the Kawhi deal, and then if they went and got him back, that'd be interesting. I don't know that, like, I don't know if the Bulls need a center necessarily. I think they need more of like a big wing type. But he's be- a lot better than Tony Bradley. He's a really, really good rim protector, and their defense has kind of fallen apart a little bit with Lonzo and Caruso out. So adding somebody who could, de- you know, be a better defender in the paint than Vucevic, I think, would help them a lot. It's not necessarily my favorite fit for them, though. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's enough of an upgrade and enough of a fit to be worth giving up. Especially, they've already given up so many future picks. That's I don't think that's the guy that I would give up a pick for. Yeah, I don't. I don't love it for them. Um, I guess from Toronto, it would be like they're trying to do Dragic and a first for Pirtle, um, which would be interesting. Like Nick Nurse, maybe would trust them to actually play. Um, which it seems like he only trusts like seven and a half guys to play right now, depending on how he feels about uh, Delano Benton and or Ken Birch on any given night. So they kind of need some, a few more players in the rotation. You would think um, we got about they were 10 a team or 12. That I heard at one point. They were a team I heard at one point was interested in Nurkic, but I don't think that really went anywhere. It's also like same thing with um, as, as with the Hornets, I don't get Nurkic for the Raptors. Like, they're switching a ton. They're playing fast. Like you have to be such a specific type of defender to play for that team. And I don't see Nurkic necessarily succeeding in that environment. Obviously, Nurse is smart enough to change things up to incorporate any player that they acquire. But I don't know that I would have loved that for them. Um, we got 10, 11 minutes left here. Anything else that you got on your mind as we come up on the deadline in a couple of days? I'm pretty focused on Blazer. That's kind of where a lot of my focus has been. Yeah, I mean, have you heard? Who else have you heard is calling about Nurkic or anybody in the last couple That's days? Or not really anybody. I don't think there's a huge market for him. So it's more uh, trying to go after Jeremy Grant or maybe spin off 
the Bledsoe contract or or things dry enough that this Simmons possibility this summer is a possibility. Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose I don't that. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm uh, I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting kind of tired these last few days. I didn't expect necessarily all of this um, to happen in the few days before the deadline, which is kind of interesting, you know getting sort of drips out in the few days leading up. You know, we had the, the Knicks-Cam Reddish deal a couple weeks ago now, and now we've got, you know, four fairly significant deals in the span of, like, three or four days, a few days ahead of the deadline, which is somewhat unusual. Usually it's like, you know, deadline spur action, but this is happening three, four days before. I don't know what to make of that. Like, maybe it means that a lot more stuff is going to happen. Maybe it means everybody's going to, you know, powder is going to be dry. By the time we get to Thursday, I don't know. Maybe it means that both Jer- like that Jeremy Grant and Ben Simmons we get to talk about for the next, what, 40, it's not a little less than 48 hours, not quite 48 hours, but we're going to hear a lot about those two guys coming, you know, going forward, only for probably both of them to not end up getting hurt. I think you'll hear about Miles Turner uh, over the next couple of days, too. I know that Woj put out there that uh, that they're excited about Halliburton playing with Turner, but... Who knows? Like it, it sort of seems like they're going into, you know, full on rebuild retool mode. Yeah. Right yeah. now. Um Dave twenty three oh one asked which contender is gonna make a trade and like any one of them could, honestly. Like we haven't seen the the top teams make any deals yet, but you know, I, I think that the Suns if they can get something good for the the Sarich and Jalen Smith and maybe a first round pick package, they'll try to do it. Uh, if the Nets can get a shooter at some point in the next couple of days, they'll do it. I would imagine the Bucks are going to look for either a like if they depending on what they feel about Brook Lopez's injury. If they're not optimistic about Brook coming back, then they'll look for a center. If they are optimistic about him coming back, I would think they'll look for a big wing. The, everybody has been talking about obviously the Celtics are going to try to dump Dennis Schroeder's money so they can get under the luxury tax. I don't know that people necessarily consider them. A contender. Um, the Sixers are going to try to find a Ben Simmons trade. Like that's running through a lot of the contenders. I don't know that I necessarily see anything coming for the Warriors or the Grizzlies. Um, the Jazz, the Joe Ingles injury kind of. I don't, I don't necessarily want to say that it screwed them, but that was everything you were hearing about the Jazz was they're going to try to you know package Joe Ingles and a first round pick to get an upgrade uh, at that spot, and that is that idea obviously doesn't necessarily work as well now. So I, I don't like this, a long winded way of saying of everybody's going to try to do something, but they only have, you know, whatever it is, uh, 45 ish hours left to be able to figure out what that is and whether they like the price. Everybody loves their team and everybody hates their team simultaneously. As far as like the GMs, <laughs> that's a pretty good way to put it. Honestly. Um, yeah. Um, that's all I got for now. Uh, Sean, thanks again for doing this, man. Appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, have a fun always good to talk to you. Forty-five ish hours yeah. until the trade deadline. Hopefully, we get you know some more uh, league shaking deals here. That'd be fun, right? Yeah. All right, man. Have a good one.